0: Talk 1110 and 993 WBT. Pete Callaner here, 704 570 1110. And uh, I want to welcome to the program Corey Valencourt. He's a reporter at the Smoky Mountain News. The website is smokymountainnews.com.
1: Corey, how are you? Hey, Pete. It's uh, good to hear your voice again.
0: Same to you as well. Um, Corey uh, is a long time. How long have you been up there working at Smoky Mountain News now? Uh, About six years. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been there there a while. And. the last time you mentioned this on Twitter, which promptly erupted a uh, flame <laughs> war but uh, you mentioned the last time uh, I think that we spoke was somewhere around 2020 uh, when you uh, let, kindly let me be part of your um, uh, the forum, the candidate forum between Cawthorne and Davis. Uh, any idea if you're going to be doing another one of those forums and if Cawthorne's going to be coming?
1: Uh, well, I suppose that all uh, depends on what happens here in the primary election, Pete. Uh, we don't generally do primary forums, uh, but we will do one in the general, whoever the nominees are. And if that's Cawthorn or not, uh, I'd expect to have a Democrat and a Republican sitting at a table somewhere.
0: Yeah. So you had a story the other day, and I want to start there before we kind of go into the larger uh, uh, the larger race uh, that you covered as well, a lengthy piece uh, up at SmokyMountainNews.com. But the first story I wanted to ask you about was this... One uh, featuring a woman named Lisa Wiggins, a former caseworker and campaign aide to Madison Cawthorn. So I'm unclear. What exactly is a caseworker? I thought, I, I thought you know, like DSS or something.
1: Uh, I think that's how she was described on the legislative employee database, but you and I would probably know that better to be a constituent services ah. uh, person. And I, from what I understand, she was in charge of the offices that ran those constituent conser- uh, services for uh, Congressman Cawthorn,
0: and so she was recorded on a phone conversation, and uh, and now this was uh, th- this was the nature of the story is that she's now not at all happy with Madison Cawthorn.
1: No, uh, for a number of reasons, she did tell uh, David Wheeler from the Fire Madison pack that she had filed a complaint, a work-related complaint, like you or I might file if we have alleging uh, labor law violations. But since it's uh, Congress, it's treated very differently, and so we don't have access to that complaint. But she said that she had fi- filed it um, and was alleging violations of the Family and Medical Leave Act.
0: And what was the nature, do we know, of the, of the complaints? Like, what specifically was she complaining about?
1: Well, again, we don't have the specifics because we don't have the complaint, but she seemed to allege that she had suffered a series of family tragedies very quickly and that she was not given that um, unpaid leave. You know, the Family and Medical Leave Act, it entitles covered employees to unpaid leave for family emergencies with a spouse or another family member, and it also says that your employer has to hold that job open for you so they can't just uh, send you off on leave and replace you. And so that's the crux of it is basically labor law violations.
0: So she I could see why that would prompt somebody to be angry um, if, you know, right. And so then uh, she is also tasked with shutting down the different offices throughout the district, which is a very large, like geographic district to cover uh, I think I saw, maybe it was in your piece, uh, uh, the other piece you wrote about the race. It's like the size of Connecticut or something. So it's it's large. So you have these different offices around the district. She was tasked with closing them down. And she says at one point that there were more uh, liquor bottles than water bottles in the Hendersonville office.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's on the audio. If you go to the story and the, the audio is hosted on the Fire Madison site, you can listen to the full sixteen minute call. She makes a number of allegations, uh above and beyond her workplace related complaint.
0: She calls him a habitual liar, says he's just a bad person, and she says she has a lot of good stories, which I'm sure the pack is salivating over. Uh it not will be, just them. Yeah, not just them, exactly. Uh so it is against this backdrop and this is look, we you know, we're aware of this stuff down in Charlotte. And of course, you know, he tried to make the run for Congress in the district that was going to include portions of Charlotte before the maps got changed again. So uh, we're following this, but it it seems like every single week there's something else that is, you know, Cawthorn is at the center of and not in a good way. And so I'm kind of curious, and this is to your next piece um, that is this a critical mass of bad press Is this actually going to harm his chances in the primary um, or is this just, you know, well, media is making a lot of this stuff and what we focus on isn't what the voters are focused on?
1: Uh, That's the million dollar question, Pete. Uh, Someone asked me the other day and I kind of equated it to the situation when Cawthorn uh, first won the um, well, he he came in second during the primary election and then won the runoff against a Trump endorsed candidate Linda Bennett. Yeah. And the same thing was happening to Linda in the several weeks before that runoff. It seemed like bad press after bad press, and, and fully deserved, to be quite frank. And I felt it changing for her. Remember, she was the front runner. She came in first. Madison came in second. And then she got trounced on election night. It was two to one. And, and evaluating that entire experience... I was starting to, you know, kind of search myself and, and see if I got that feeling right now. And I, I, I kind of am feeling that. Um, two weeks before this, we had the uh, the coke orgies comment, and then we had the uh, traffic tickets, and then Asheville Watchdog uncovered uh, 12 tickets in something like three states over four years. And then there was the story about this um, Lisa Wiggins and her workforce complaint. and. Uh, most recently, some Western North Carolina media organizations, I think the News and Observer was part of it too, um, got the uh, dash cam video from a traffic stop, and so you're absolutely right. It's like every three days, he's getting hammered with something, and you just wonder how much longer can he uh, persevere.
0: One of the things, I forget who it was that you quoted in the piece at Um They talked about the feeling of abandonment. Maybe it was Michelle Woodhouse, one of uh, his opponents. And to me, I think that is actually the thing that might resonate the most with a lot of Western North Carolina uh, voters, the the, the sense that he that he was ready to leave them at a moment's notice because it served his political interests.
1: Yeah, it was Michelle Woodhouse and Chuck Edwards uh, as well um, went on the record with that. But at the forums I've attended, all of the candidates have criticized that. Part of it's in regards to his voting record or his voter participation record in Congress, but certainly the, the biggest blow was that failed attempt to move to what was called NC 13 out by you guys in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, at the time I thought, gosh, I know so many people in these western counties who, sit, who, who were telling me, we sent you to Washington to fight for us and now you're leaving us behind. And that's a powerful. You know, we can argue policy all day long up and down. Right. But uh when someone has that feeling of abandonment or, or my congressman uh doesn't care about me, that's a much more visceral reaction.
0: And I would submit that, that uh that sense of abandonment is probably more acute or folks in Appalachia probably are more sensitive to that idea. Because it is very much a part of the, you know, too big for their britches kind of thing that J.D. Vance wrote
1: about, for example, in Hillbilly <laughs> Elegy. No, you're you're exactly right, Pete. And also, you know, we feel from a state government perspective yeah. that we're often overlooked when we compete for statewide grants, like from the Parks and Recreation Trust Fund and things like that. We constantly see ourselves being passed over in favor of projects in places like Charlotte right. and Raleigh. And so this is not a new feeling and uh, doesn't make it go over any better, but... Uh, Certainly that is that's part of the uh, the psyche here politically in Western North Carolina is we're the ones without broadband. We're the ones who are being left behind.
0: Right. And then you have the guy that you elected try to jump ship at the not even in one term in. And, yeah, it just uh, if you're going to do anything to reinforce and to pick at that wound, you know, like that, that was it. I, I wonder if that's the that that might be the biggest mistake that he made
1: without a doubt.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll have you back on Corey Valencourt, smokymountainnews.com. You can read his work there. And uh, be well, sir. Appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure, Pete. Take
0: care. All right, take care. Talk 1110, WBT. Thanks again to Corey Valencourt, Smoky Mountain News. It's got the story headline complaint filed against Cawthorne, fired by staffer. Uh, saying in a leaked recording that we all want the ultimate goal of him never serving again. Lisa Wiggins, a former caseworker and campaign aide to Representative Madison Cawthorne, filed an employment related campaign uh, or a. Complaint, I should say, against the embattled congressman. Quote, what he's done to me was illegal, morally wrong. You name it, it's been done. This is what she said in a phone call to a guy named David Wheeler. David Wheeler is the co-founder of the, quote, nonpartisan advocacy political action committee called American Muckrakers, more commonly known as Fire Madison Cawthorn. By the way, just for the record... Corey mentions this in the story. North Carolina is a one-party state. That means if you are on a phone conversation with a person, only just one person has to be aware that the conversation is being recorded. North Carolina, one-party state. So if you're doing the recording, you know it's being recorded. You're not going to get in any kind of legal trouble for recording that conversation that you are in. Okay? So Wiggins said in the call that she'd advanced... Uh, She had advanced claims involving violations of the FMLA uh, that entitles people to uh, employees to unpaid job protected leave for specified family and medical reasons, which she did. But she says she was denied leave when her uncle passed away and then her husband had a heart attack during the same week. She's 46. She said she believed she was Cawthorne's oldest caseworker or constituent services rep. And. That she'd been given a, a warning, but then was fired three days after the warning. It's not clear what the warning was for. She also said, so again, take this from where it's coming from. She's she's now, you know, she worked for Cawthorne. Now she's mad. She got fired. So disgruntled employee, right? Obviously. So is that going to, um, does that mean everything that she's, uh, going to complain about or is that she's talking about in this phone conversation. Does that mean that's all out the window? I know I don't reject automatically, but it is a key piece of information that we have to keep in mind while we assess the veracity of her claims. Um, she said uh, that he had closed all of his district offices except for the Hendersonville office. And he was using call forwarding to consolidate constituent service calls quote, I know that because I drove and closed all the offices. He didn't have enough caseworkers to man them. He didn't care. He doesn't care about his constituents. He does not care. End quote. She went on to make a number of other claims, including more liquor bottles in the Hendersonville office than water bottles, and that she had not seen the congressman she worked for since October. She explained that she did not believe all the sexual assault or harassment allegations against Cawthorn were true, but she does believe some of them, including ones from his brief stint at Patrick Henry College. She says she thinks those are true. No charges or suits have been filed against Cawthorn in regards to any of those claims. As far as the candidate himself, this is what she says. He's just a bad person. He's a habitual liar, and he's going to say and do anything he can to your face But behind your back, he's completely opposite. There's some good stories I have. A lot of good stories. Now, also keep in mind, she now supports retired Army Colonel Rod Honeycutt. She said she hoped Cawthorn would not reach the 30% mark in the primary, the 30% plus one vote, in order to avoid a runoff. And so if... And there are a lot of candidates. I forget how many. I think there's like eleven of them or something. But there are a lot of candidates in that GOP primary. And if cawthorne so it can go one of two ways, right? You can get the you can get the result where Cawthorne is the known entity. He is the the people, or he's the uh, the the one that voters recognize the name the most, and so they just vote for him, and he clears the thirty percent. Or you end up with such opposition to him, and so many choices. Then you get all these other candidates that that eat away at his numbers. And then he doesn't clear the 30 percent hurdle. And Corey was exactly right. I talked about this as well, that Cawthorn, like he set in motion a very similar chain of events that Mark Meadows set in motion that led to Cawthorn's victory. Meadows tried to stiff arm competition. Right. And tried to get his preferred candidate, Linda Bennett. But Linda Bennett was a terrible candidate. I interviewed her and I could literally hear the papers being shuffled as she's answering the questions. So she's because re- I was over the phone. It was pandemic. Right. So she's reading these responses. And, you know, the videos of her on site at events yelling at voters, not a good look. She was, wasn't a good candidate. And so she ended up getting a lot of opposition from several different candidates. And couldn't clear 30 percent sent to a runoff, and that's when uh, Cawthorne swept in. Cawthorne trying to do the same thing kind of with Michelle Woodhouse trying to you know uh, pick his successor and then run here in Charlotte in a safer seat. And it may have just epically backfired. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Lisa Wiggins, former caseworker or constituent services uh, employee of Madison Cawthorn, Congressman Cawthorn, uh, who is running for re-election out in the western part of the state. And it does seem like if it's not one thing, it's another. He's constantly making news and not in a good way. And I will tell you, I have a lot of friends and Listeners, supporters that are still in Western North Carolina from when I was out there. And I'm getting messages from quite a few. And they're they're worried. Because they they all kind of say the same thing, which was, look, I, I gave the guy a shot. I didn't know who he was. But like there's just it it, it, it just doesn't end. It's like death by a thousand Cuts, some of these things, I don't even like the word scandal because it's not even a scandal, right? Some of the stuff, okay, he got a speeding ticket. Okay, he got he got another one. And then he got another one and another and another and another and another. But at some point, yes, I guess that does become a scandal. But, yeah, young guy, muscle car, likes to drive fast. Not a surprise. Um, But when you have your license taken and you continue to drive, that's a problem, right? That's a problem. So, There are a lot of people that have been writing me and asking, saying, what am I supposed to do? What are your thoughts on this? And it's not that they're asking. It's not that they're asking me permission. I I shouldn't say it like that because they're not. But a lot of people don't want to vote out the guy that may have the best chance or they want to be convinced that they are reading this wrong. But I can't say I can't tell them that. What am I supposed to say? Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's not. I don't think it is. I've said this before. I told two different Republican groups, one up in the mountains and one here in Charlotte, unaffiliated voters do not want to be embarrassed by the candidates that they vote for. What do you think is happening right now with Joe Biden's approval numbers? People are embarrassed by it, by him, right? They're embarrassed by what his administration has been doing. Now, all of a sudden, you can't find Biden voters, although some would allege you couldn't find Biden voters during the election either. Like, oh, come on. I kid. It's a joke. It's a joke. He is the president. He was elected. I just feel they need to say that. So people are, like pulling audio tape. Pete Gallagher is a denier. Um, The ultimate goal, this employee said, Lisa Wiggins is to get him out, get Madison Cawthorne out. I'm working harder here than I did for his campaign two years ago. I mean, I worked really hard two years ago. See, so this, this woman has a level of credibility, even though she's a disgruntled employee who was let go, got a warning for something and then fired, whatever. And I, and like, I do need to find out what that's about. And I think she should be asked about that by media. But um, she worked for him. She worked to get him elected. So she had bought into what you know Madison Cawthorn was selling at the time. A lot of people did. He won by a very large margin. Once again, look at his opponent, Mo Davis, who all he had to be was not so insane, and he could. But but honestly, Madison Cawthorn was this you know young guy. He's attractive. That means a lot in politics. It does. And so you got this young guy, and I've told this story before. There was, um, well, he told me first. So Chris Cooper, who was the former. Uh, Well, not former. He's up in Western uh, Carolina University. He's the distinguished professor. Well, he's a professor. He's a political science guy, head of the department. Full disclosure, he was my fraternity brother down at Winthrop. So I interviewed him a bunch of times. I have interviewed him a bunch of times. i got to get him back on the show, actually. Anyway, he said during the primary, that, and he doesn't, uh, but he, he said during the primary, he sees a picture of Madison Cawthorn, and his wife is walking by, and his wife says to him, I don't know who that person is, but he's going to (laughs) win just based on his looks. That stuff matters to people when you have like when people who don't know the issues and philosophy and policy and stuff and they just kind of walk into the polling place sometimes to get warm. They they make decisions based on stuff like that. Oh, thank you for this card that tells me who to vote for. You know, they make decisions based on stuff like that. So a lot of people were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, see if he would mature into the position. And that does not appear to have happened. I was told that there were people up in D.C. that were going to be mentoring him, that were going to be kind of helping him find his way. Mentor a little bit here and there if they could, if he would accept it. And it does not appear to have happened or worked. Right. He says Donald Trump is his mentor and he's on the phone all the time with Donald Trump. And so maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's got other plans. He has said he wants to be governor. So, and I don't know these things. I've, I've interviewed him, I think twice, but, and the, you know, phone lines are always open. He can call in. We've reached out to his campaign on numerous occasions. They're, I'm happy to have conversations with him. Um, but people don't want to be embarrassed and they don't want to have to keep answering for all of the bad press all the time. And, when he went after his own party members saying that they were going to, you know, cocaine fueled orgies. Yeah, like now you're now you're training your sights on unnamed colleagues that he still won't still won't name. And like that's that leads me to believe he's not telling the truth. But I'm I am I am open to persuasion, right? I am persuadable, so go ahead and let me know. Cawthorn spokesman Luke Ball released a statement um, saying these accusations are verifiably false. The individual spreading these disgusting allegations is currently working for a primary opponent of Congressman Cawthorn. Okay. Right, so she got fired from the office and then went to work for one of the primary opponents. I think she, uh, she's supporting, right, Honeycutt, Army Colonel Rod Honeycutt. Uh, We believe these comments potentially amount to defamation of character and are exploring options to ensure the congressman's name emerges from these slanderous remarks unscathed. Um, I don't think you got a defamation case. Um, She said, quote, people need to know how this man really is. He still got a lot of people fooled. What else? Um, Washington Examiner. Taxpayers footed the bill for Representative Madison Cawthorne's visit to a luxury Riverside Mountain Resort in August of 2021. This, according to House disbursement records, he spent just under three thousand dollars from his taxpayer funded members representational allowance. That's what they're called. You get an allowance. He spent it at Skylarana Skylarana. I don't know. I have never heard of it. A resort based in his hometown of Hendersonville that boasts luxury accommodations for romantic dinners, weddings, and corporate events. The freshman Republican lawmaker categorized his August 9th payment to the luxury resort as a legislative planning food and beverage expense. They say that they uh, they had the district and D.C. staff on retreat at this event. Nearly every office on Capitol Hill has a district retreat and a budget specifically designated for one, said his spokesman. Now, every member of the House receives a taxpayer-funded allowance. The average is about $1.5 million, and that pays for your staff, your rent, at your district offices, other expenses, but he closed his district offices, remember. Lawmakers are allowed to use their allowance to pay for up to two planning sessions in their home states every year, but the funds cannot be used to finance any events that are, quote, primarily social in nature, and then any unused funds get returned to the Treasury. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110 and uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. A piece at the Washington Examiner the other day by Andrew Kerr. Madison Cawthorn spent taxpayer funds at Luxury Resort. It was in his hometown of Hendersonville. Uh, and uh, uh congressman's uh, spokesman says that they had their district retreat so they bring all of the people from dc and they bring their local district workers they all go to the skylarana resort in hendersonville and uh, they dropped like three grand uh, for that the same week for these uh, five days cawthorne billed taxpayers 556 dollars for four separate trips to fresh market and ingles grocery stores $491 $491 for a trip to Papa's and Beer Mexican restaurant, which, by the way, is totally worth it. Um, two visits to Chick-fil-A, totaling 382 A meal at Joey's New York Bagels for $53. A trip to Bojangles for $47. And two undescribed payments, totaling 455 to his Citibank government card service. The 26-year-old lawmaker classified all of these payments as Legislative Planning Food and Beverage Expenses. And so in total, he spent just under five grand from his allowance from the the congressional, you know, office allowance of one and a half million. You get certain money for uh, these district retreats. He spent just under five thousand dollars. Also, between uh, August 6th and August 10th, the Washington Examiner notes that he was issuing tweets railing against Democrats in Congress for wasting taxpayer money. <laughs> now, you could say that this isn't a waste of money, that this was needed, professional development, district uh, retreat. You know, it's all on it's all the up and up. However, if you look at a comparison of other lawmakers, for example, uh, 286 representatives out of the 435 spent nothing. Zero. 286 spend zero for legislative planning events. 149 that did pull from their allowance to pay for legislative planning expenses. uh, They spent on average just under twelve hundred dollars. So he spent five grand and the average is twelve hundred. Only one other congressman spent more than him, and that would be Kay Granger of Texas, a Republican who reported spending $6,000. Also, Cawthorn's re-election campaign is apparently hemorrhaging money, according to a filing submitted to the FEC. This is interesting because Cawthorn has been a a prime fundraiser. He's a draw. He has been. People want him at their events. He comes in, he talks, generates a lot of revenue. He's doing a lot of uh, flying around the country, doing fundraisers for people. So he has been... Uh, you know, a top earner, right? But now the freshman lawmaker's campaign spent more than it raised in the first quarter of 2022 and it entered April with just uh, just under a quarter million on cash, uh, or sorry, cash on hand and debts of almost half that amount. What else? The video got released of him getting pulled over um, by North Carolina troopers. This came from a dash cam video. Out of Cleveland County, it was North Carolina Highway Patrol, and uh, the judge said, "No, this is in the public interest." Cleveland County District Attorney Mike Miller, a Republican, opposed the move out of concern that pretrial publicity could complicate the pending case because it is going to trial uh, March third. I believe, or sorry, no, he was he was uh, cited March third. I think this uh, where is it? It's later on. Well, I'll get there. It's in the story here. This is from the News and Observer's Michael Gordon. He got pulled over March third, ten thirty at night, in a uh, 2019 Toyota truck that was driving left of center on Highway 74 Business. So he gets pulled over. He was polite and cooperative, uh, and then the trooper informed him that there was a pickup order to his license. In other words, I got to take that. And he said he pulled Cawthorn over because he had expired tags. And then he Cawthorn apologizes. The trooper goes uh, runs his ta- or runs his license. And then he says, uh, sorry, your license is revoked. Cawthorn replies, is that so? With Cawthorn now unable to drive any further, a woman gets out of the passenger side, puts on high heels, and helps the officer retrieve Cawthorn's wheelchair from the bed of the truck. Cawthorn wheels himself over to the passenger side, uh, shakes the trooper's hand, uh, and then uh, they put the wheelchair into the back of the pickup truck, and the trooper drives away. Cawthorn is scheduled to appear on May 6th in court in Shelby. Court records show this is the second time Cawthorne was issued the charge of driving with a revoked license. The first was in 2017, but that got dismissed. Um, What else? Oh, then there's this. Andrew Jones at the Citizen Times headline. Madison Cawthorne's $30 million car wreck lawsuit against his friend is now set for an October trial date. And this story is just sad to me. Um, Just... Bradley Ledford, 26 years old now, they were both, they were best friends, and he was driving the car when it crashed in 2014. It left Cawthorn in a wheelchair. As part of the discovery phase in the jury trial set for October, Ledford filed subpoenas for Cawthorn's medical records uh, because they're trying to figure out is the amount of money he says he is owed uh, is that somehow related to his actual medical expenses, okay? Um, he got a settlement with the insurance company but this case and there are a bunch of different cases surrounding this thing but this is the uh, uh this is the litigation against his friend who was driving the car and now obviously they are they are no longer friends and it's sad because one of the text messages that uh came out says that Cawthorne says it's all because you could not hold your eyes open long enough to pull over and wake me up you ruined my entire life that's it says he misses the old hymn.